Hi, welcome to What Are the Tax Implications? I'm Ron Scott. I'm Jeff Rosenthal. We are your first call tax advocates here once again to help increase your financial and tax knowledge. In today's episode, we'll be discussing topics from callers that include foreign sourced income. If I receive money from another country, do I have to claim it on my U.S. tax return? What are the tax implications? Also, how bad can it really get? Let's say somebody has not been compliant, has not filed or followed the suggestion from the IRS. How bad can it really get? And lastly, and we will be adding a special guest speaker today, our podcast producer, Christopher Scott, because he's representing the millennials. And we'll be talking about prenuptial planning and postnuptial planning. What do you do with your fiance as far as money matters go? And what are the tax implications? Whether you're the CEO of your household or of your business, questions constantly arise regarding the tax consequences of your financial circumstance. First Call Tax Advocates is always here to answer your questions and offer educational background regarding the potential tax implications of your action. Ron and Jeff are your first responders. They are board certified financial and tax professionals with over 60 years of experience. Please visit their website, firstcalltaxadvocates.com. That's firstcalltaxadvocates.com. Learn more about them, explore their resources, and leave a review of your experience. For more urgent matters, please call them toll free at 833-568-8999. That's 833-568-8999. The topics and responses discussed here are intended for general education. Our discussions are not intended to give you advice on your specific situation. We would advise you to seek advice from a competent and licensed professional. Tax law is always evolving and our discussions are based on the law existing to date. Our first caller, Quentin from Quincy, asks, what do I do with foreign sourced income and my U.S. tax return? Do I have to claim that income? What are the tax implications? Hey, Quentin, great question. Uh, so uh, we'll start off by saying that U.S. residents, U.S. citizens, and permanent green card holders are responsible for reporting their worldwide income. Now, that being said, there may or may not be other credits that stem from foreign income, but the short answer to your question is yes, uh, you are responsible for reporting all sourced income on your U.S. tax return. All? Or is there any relief in the tax code? Can, like, I have, like, I don't know, like, the first 10 grand free? Not on dividends or interest, but on um, on wages. On on wages, there are uh, definitely, and on foreign sourced 
gifts, there are special rules. Now, generally, especially if you've been listening to our podcast, gifts are tax-free to the recipient, uh, and that is certainly true of foreign gifts. However, foreign gifts, if they're over $100,000, must be reported, or they will be taxed if the government discovers them at a rate of 35%, and we certainly don't want to trigger that when the money could be tax-free. But the short answer to your question is, other than wages, um, which has a specific exemption uh, with some special rules, uh, all sourced income from foreign places are taxable. Subject to inclusion, but then excluded because of the section of the tax code, right, Jeff? That is correct. And... That exclusion for 2020 is 105900 So the first 105900 of foreign income is excluded. Married, it's double. 215, I'm, I'm sorry, it's a little bit more than double. <laughs> it's 215200 And that's income from wages. Right. So um, some... Some people can also receive foreign income from uh, non-wages, uh, non right? For, through mutual funds or um, ETFs, Jeff? Is that true? That is correct. So um, generally speaking, if they're publicly traded on U.S. exchanges, uh, there's no special hoops to, to go through. It's just reported. If it's non-sourced income... Uh, from wages, dividends, or royalties, then you might have separate foreign income reporting requirements and the penalties and compliance regs have gotten very intense in the last couple of years. How would I know that my investments have foreign income? <laughs> Well, hopefully your financial advisor or the institution that you got them from will have properly advised you. If not, ask your financial professional. When you receive your year-end statements or your uh, 1099s, take a look at the details. And you will probably find if your institution is doing their job, there would be a, a line that represents the foreign income. And then your tax preparation professional will be able to account for it appropriately. And then the tax software will do its thing if it's up to date and um, exclude or include based on the, the tax laws. But again, Jeff, you said something earlier about global income. I did. And global income, all global income is subject to taxation in the United States? That is correct. All global income, if you're a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident, meaning a green card holder, is subject to tax. Okay. So if I don't claim it, then we fall into the, oh boy, you could be getting a letter and we've talked about it in the past when you get a letter. We'll talk about it in the future when you get a letter. So, Quentin, uh, it was a great question. We appreciate it. And hopefully uh, your situation will allow you to, hopefully you're under the exclusion. Okay? If not, now you know what to do. Good luck, Quentin.
Our next caller, Bill from Biloxi, is concerned about his situation. He's gotten letters. He's worked with his representative on getting his stuff fixed. Um, But he's been bad. And he wants to know, how bad can it get? Bill has a federal tax lien. And he just wants to know, like, how, what are they going to do? How bad can this really, really get? So this is a little bit more than what are the tax implications here. It's kind of like, what are the overall implications when I owe and I can't pay and I'm kind of ignoring it? So, Jeff, how can we educate Bill? Hi, Bill. Uh, Sorry that you owe the government money, but uh, out of all of the people and places and things that you could owe money to, it is not good that you owe the government money and that you're uh, in noncompliance. So the government has lots of tools in their tool basket to make it uncomfortable for you. Now, their primary mission is to help you pay, is to help find a way for you to pay or find the relief uh, that is built into the tax code. But if you thumb your nose at them, if you just ignore it, you don't comply, they can start to seize assets. Okay, seize assets. So Bill kind of figured that that's what they're going to do. But, you know... It kind of brings up that that old story, Jeff. You know, I was thinking about Robin Hood and the Sheriff of Nottingham. So back in those days, um, what was the tax collection process like? <laughs> uh, the town crier would announce that the sheriff or his representatives was coming to collect and uh, you either paid or they came and they took your goat or your or your gold or whatever else you had, your rice or whatever you had, and they, they seized it. They took it. So if you didn't have the gold or whatever the currency was, they would take your property. Well, Bill is concerned about something more than that. Is there Let's say that your property isn't enough. Can they take your freedom? Uh, In rare cases, they can. Uh, So the Criminal Investigation Division, the CID people, are armed, and uh, they, they do have authority to take you into custody if you've flaunted the rules and regulations. It is not common. It's not every day. But if you owe enough money, they can do that. And more, they can seize and block your passport. They can garnish your salary. They can seize your investments. They can seize your future income if you're a 1099 recipient. I mean, they have, they have a lot of power. So my advice is to sit with a qualified professional and try and work something out so that you could get back into compliance. Bill is probably relieved hearing that. A lot of people are concerned about the, um, uh, the, I guess, arrest and conviction of a person who owes tax dollars. Now, if we're talking about a fraud case, that's completely different. 
In Bill's case, it's not tax fraud. He just he just doesn't have the money. And his he's got some assets. So, Jeff, what I'm hearing you say is the government can take action. They can get as much as you have and potentially what you attain in the future. But unless it's a criminal fraud case, you get to hold on to your freedom. That is correct. And Bill, you know, seriously, you know, the government, like any creditor, is entitled to get their money. Uh, but the the collection division and the criminal investigation division would like you to voluntarily comply. And even if they have to give you very stern rules as to compliance, they would much rather you do it voluntarily or under persuasion uh, than to take enforcement action. But do not ignore the notices. Bill, I hope this helped. And talk to your representative again, uh, maybe about some of the things we talked about today. And Bill, good luck. Remember, the First Call Tax Advocates, Ron and Jeff, are your first responders. Board certified professionals, over 60 years of experience. Visit their website, firstcalltaxadvocates.com. That's firstcalltaxadvocates.com. Learn more, explore, and leave a review. For more urgent matters, call them toll-free at 833-568-8999. That's 833-568-8999. And for you subscribers, we offer a complimentary consultation to discuss your tax matter. Our next caller is Eddie from Edgewater. Eddie is engaged. And he is engaged to a a girl he's been dating for a number of years. His fiance's name is Linda. So Eddie and Linda are going to get married probably within a year. Uh, They haven't set the date yet, but Eddie has some concerns. The concerns come from his parents, though. So we're going to be talking about uh, planning to get married. But when you have a financial difference, I should say a net worth difference between fiance A and fiance B. Before we get into this call, please know this. We are not attorneys. We are not legal advisors. We will be talking about prenuptial and postnuptial agreements from an education standpoint. In the event that you need legal advice, that you want legal advice, please speak to you know, a well-versed attorney on the subject. We are not attorneys. So let's get into what Eddie is asking. His family's net worth is substantial. It's in excess of $10 million. He loves Linda. Linda is wonderful, but her family's net worth is not quite that high. They will still be getting married, but his parents are insisting that Eddie gets what's known as a prenuptial agreement or prenuptial arrangement or prenuptial contract, whatever. Whatever that word is 
It comes after prenuptial. It is a contract. So, Jeff, prenuptial arrangements. Are there any tax implications when you sign that type of a contract initially? No. That's the quick answer. There are no tax implications. First of all, Eddie and Linda, congratulations on your new life. I don't want to be the cloud in your otherwise bright, sunny day, but we do know that marriages do fail and at an alarming rate. So you can't not pay any attention to the other side of the, the coin. You have to look about the possibility that it might not last forever. And how would you handle things? So Eddie's parents are concerned, Jeff. Uh, I guess they're thinking someday Eddie and his other siblings would inherit their wealth. But they want to make sure that the wealth stays in the family. So how can a prenuptial arrangement help a family keep the money in the family? Well, Eddie's parents are not wrong for thinking in that way. Uh, and uh, with the proper guidance from a legal advisor, a prenup will partition, will put a wall between fiance A and fiance B as to the money that they're bringing into the relationship. So Eddie's parents are concerned because of the reality of divorce. Now, Eddie was born in 1993. So he falls into that category that we are kind of generally calling millennials. Now, I don't know the difference between Gen Y and Gen Z and if there's another gen, but let's just talk about a young person, mid-20s, is going to be getting married. And we're lucky because we have with us our podcast producer, Chris Scott, and he would like to offer... So his perspective about Eddie and Linda, and I'll just ask Chris, well, first of all, welcome, Chris. Hello. Hi, Chris. How, how are you today? I'm well. I've been here the entire time for every single show, but now, hey, my voice is on display. How is everyone doing today? Wow. That's great, Chris. And uh, and we're going we're gonna to find a way to make you, uh, you know, part of the show more often. So, okay. So, Chris, we're talking about Eddie and Linda, mm -hmm. contemporaries of yours. Okay. Now, you don't know them, but let me ask, um, do your friends kind of ever discuss things as serious as this when it comes to marriages? Um, well, first off, the idea of marriages aren't that common at my age sure yet, um, but it's not the trending topic. It's not a, uh, a topic that we go too deep into. It's not like the latest Netflix series that we want to discuss. I mean, the conversation of, oh, let's talk about prenups tonight never happens. Not once, ever. <laughs> okay, so this subject is not something that's bouncing around on your, uh, your different group texts, right? Not a subject that's bouncing around between group texts. However, I do think that for those that are in the process of getting married or maybe they're engaged, I think it's something in the back of their minds. They're just not as open about it, I think. So, so Eddie's parents, Jeff, they, they had something to say to Eddie, right? Chris, do you find that your friend's parents every once in a while kind of uh, 
sprinkle some advice to their kids about money matters and marriage? Pretty often. Pretty very, often, Very right? often, I would think. What are some of the things that uh, the parents, you know, us born in like, you know, the 60s and 50s might say to a, uh, a mid-20s person regarding marriage and money? Um, hold on to your money. Hold on to your wealth. It's important. Make smart choices with your money. You should do this. You shouldn't do that. Basically, making the decisions for them without actually making the decision for them. And Chris, and generally, what would you say, not speaking for all millennials, but in general, the people in your circle, would it be um, fair to say that that they roll their eyes when their parents say <laughs> things like that? I think it depends on the situation and it depends on the relationship that they have with the parent. You know, unfortunately, some people don't have great relationships with their parents while others do. While others do have a very solid relationship with their parents. I would think, though, with with millennials in general, with the amount of financial crisis that we've seen in our lifetime in a short period of time, we saw Y2K, we saw 9-11, we saw the 2008 financial crisis. We now have the coronavirus thing and we haven't even been around for 40 years. So it's like almost once every eight to 10 years, we're expecting a financial downturn. We're going to end up being, I think, much more fiscally responsible with our own money. And I would imagine that a prenup would be a popular thing that all millennials will will very, very likely consider in their situation because they know their money can be taken away from them without them doing any wrong. And right you are. Um, Ron and I basically see this from many, many different points of view. And one of the things that we have been trying to do for the majority of our careers is educate the people coming to us. Um, uh, we certainly don't want to be the black cloud in an otherwise sunny day for this new young couple, uh, Eddie and Linda. But we want to teach them the realities that it is something that they should think about. Exactly. Maybe not in a big way, but it, think about it. So, uh, Chris, just want to let you know, in the event that you don't get the prenup done before you get married, there is recourse and thanks for sharing your feelings on what the millennials have been through. He's right on with that, Jeff. I mean, they've seen some serious things. I mean, you and I have seen stuff, too, but, you know, in our lives. But let's not go into that now. We don't need a history lesson. Let's talk about the future. So in the event, Chris, that you and anyone out there does not get the prenuptial signed in advance and they get married, Jeff... Um, they do have some recourse, a postnuptial. They do. Um, so legally, husband and wife can gift money between each other, and it's a non-taxable event in an unlimited fashion as often as they want to. And a postnup um, occurs after the I do's, and it follows very similar rules. You're separating of the assets, you're partitioning of the assets. Um, by the way, another resource available to you are the CDFAs, these Certified Divorce Financial Analysts. I happen to be one. There are many others around the country. Um, so we normally counsel people getting married to speak to a religious person. It is good to speak to an insurance agent, to a financial person, and to your tax advisor just to get a lay of the land and to figure out 
what are the questions that you should be asking? What should you be considering? And giving you some suggested answers. Eddie, I hope things work out with Linda. Congratulations. And remember, what we talked about today was education. Some things for you to consider discussing with your legal advisor. Keep the communication with your parents. Hopefully, Linda and you will be able to work this all out and all the families feel great because, you know, you may become a dad someday and you and Linda and then the family together and that little one that you see kind of pulls everybody together with love. So, Eddie, good luck. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. You probably have additional questions, don't you? We are your first call. Remember, everyone's situation is unique, but we should be your first call. We are your first responders. The 911 operator doesn't call you. Please call us toll-free at 833-568-8999. Again, 833-568-8999. And visit our website at firstcall.com taxadvocates.com. We'd love to know what you've learned today, so please leave a review on our website. We have attempted to appeal to a broad audience, but we want to help everyone if we can. In our next episode, episode 10. Yes, we got through the first 10. We'll be taking calls from people interested in hobby loss or hobby rules. Taxation. What are the tax implications if I have a hobby? Also, the offer in compromise, a technique that can be used when you owe, you can't pay all of it, and you'd like to make the IRS an offer they can't refuse. And what are the tax implications of that? And lastly, we'll be digging in to emergency funds. Now, we're not talking about government emergency funds. We're talking about personal emergency funds, setting money aside to be used in case there's an emergency. 